You're listening to the Living Truth Church Podcast, and we're so glad that you're here. If you would like to know more about our church, you can find us at livingtruthchurch.com, on Facebook at Living Truth Church, or on Instagram at LTC underscore Pace. We pray that God uses this teaching to impact your life. I, I really, I'm going to talk about some serious stuff this morning, so I, I know we're going to get dialed in in just a minute, but I... And, and, uh, but, but right now, I mean, we're, we've been singing about the King of Kings, right? The Lord of Lords. I mean, really, we should be excited, right? Because everything that I screwed up in my life, that, uh, that because I've come, in, come to Christ and brought it to him and he's forgiven for me, forgiven me of that, I'm over that stuff, I'm not the same way that I was, and that's a good thing, right? Amen? I mean, if it happened to you. I mean, it's a good thing in my life, I can tell you that. So uh, we should be excited and very happy, and, and we're glad to have you with us today and, and uh, be with us. And uh, I just pray, does anybody, anybody here need forgiveness, mercy, and grace? All right, amen. And, and you know what? He freely offers it to us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We pray right now that you speak to us plainly and clearly through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, this, uh, this message that I'm going to preach to you today is just something I wish I'd have heard 30 years ago. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so uh, King Jesus Gospel is the title of the message. Uh, we've been as a church, we've been going through the book of Revelation. So we took a break today on that, uh, although this would definitely apply to it. Uh, but the whole, I, I just got to make sure we're clear. The whole Bible is the gospel, not just one page not just one chapter. Uh, this whole thing fits together. There's nothing like the gospel. Yet, concerning the gospel, I was recently alarmed by a statistic. It said that 65% of Americans claim to be Christian, but only 9% of them have a biblical worldview. Think about that. Listen, if, if 65% claim to be a Christian, but nine, only 9% have a biblical worldview, then there's a horrible disconnect between the gospel that's being presented and how disciples live, how we actually live our life, those that call themselves Christians. Why, why are Christians falling and not living a biblical worldview? What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching the church. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that overall the church has missed the mark in preaching and teaching the gospel. Now, something's been preached throughout the years because people have been saved and baptized. Things are happening. I mean, our church is on every corner. Although, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing because this church, people didn't agree with these people and they left and started this other church. But, but uh, you know, I, I think still the number one way to do churches start is church split. So that's not necessarily good. But, but, but so, somewhere in there, there are some good things happening. And when we see wheelchair ramps being built for people that need food for the hungry, clothes for the needy, but, but often we don't, we don't, we're not seeing real life change internally. You don't have to be a Christian to do good deeds, shock, shock, right? I know on some of our mission trips, we've taken people with us that were not yet believers, hoping that they would kind of get, you know, this dust sprinkled on them and they'd, they'd get it, right? There's a difference between you and me doing good deeds 
and a transformational life change. I've seen several people in here this morning worshiping, lifting their hands up in worship that last year they probably got shot or drugged to get here last year, okay? Uh, transformational life change has happened. Now think, to understand what I'm talking about this morning, I think we start with the gospel. What is the gospel? Is, is it just a bunch of feel-good stories? Is it just a way to get from hell to get to heaven? What is it? So we're going to use our main text this morning, First Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So Christ died, was buried, resurrected, reappeared according to the scriptures. As a church, we talk about the gospel a lot. It's all about the gospel, right? The easy definition to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're, we're moved to get that gospel message out so that people Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have a problem in our culture, even in the church culture today. A, people don't know what they believe. I mean, this morning, if I said, hey, we're going to take turns, everybody come up here and share the gospel. <laughs> we're not going to do that. Okay? <laughs> right? But see, letter, number A, letter A, people don't know what they believe, and letter B, they're not living what they believe. It's kind of a, just get saved mentality, culture. It's a, the meal ticket mentality. So what is the root problem? What are we teaching people? Let's back up. What were we taught? Therein, I think, lies the problem. For me, is I'm dealing with this. I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior outside of the church. However, once I was in church, I was, ta I was taught to share my faith in Jesus, thankfully. Why was I taught? I was taught that so others could join me in heaven, right? I've learned that that was more than a lot of churches were doing. There, there are some do-good churches. There are some do-nothing churches. There are some ritualistic churches. And there's some health and wealth churches, all kind, but at least I was challenged at this church to share my faith in Jesus. Not to just come and sit and be a bump on a log. I, I knew that I was a sinner. I was messed up wrecked that was saved by grace through faith and that Jesus worked, finished work on the cross that we've sung about this morning saved me. So where did this seeing people being saved but not moving further in the faith come from in our churches? When did praise the Lord they're saved become the end all instead of come and go and make disciples? 
maybe, perhaps, from how we have been viewing the gospel for many years. The author of the a book called The King Jesus Gospel, Scott McKnight, Scott McKnight said, the word gospel has been hijacked by what we believe about personal salvation. And the gospel itself has been reshaped to facilitate making decisions. The result of this hijacking is that the word gospel no longer means in our world what it originally meant to either Jesus or the apostles. You know, a decision-making is that stand up and, and, or raise your hand if you accepted Christ's day, and then nothing ever else happens after that. What have we done with the gospel? Why aren't people living it? Why are people falling out? Why do students ditch the faith once they get questioned at college by an agnostic professor? You ever heard of that happening? Yeah, like all the stinking time. How is one faith better than another? Why, do, why not just have faith in something? An all-inclusive faith has become an all-elusive faith. For most American Christians, the gospel is about getting my sins forgiven so I can what? Go to heaven when I die. Listen, if the gospel isn't about life transformation, then it's not the gospel of the Bible. The reason Christians are having problems with their faith and the reason Christians are not living out their faith is that we have an entire culture shaped by a misunderstanding of the gospel. That so-called gospel is deconstructing the church. No wonder people are leaving the church, leaving the faith. Not only do, do many not know what they believe because they have not held steady to the apostles' teaching or been empowered by the Holy Spirit, but they've, they've not slowed down and taken the time to allow themselves to be transformed by the legitimate gospel. Many have accepted easy believism of a decision-making gospel and never even heard of a disciple-making disciple gospel. Here's a rule of thumb. And I really want this to be personal. Take this personal this morning. Are you actually living for Jesus? I mean, following in his full footsteps. Do you abide in Jesus every day? People are like, Bro, I got stuff to do. Well, I'm just saying, no, bro, you got Jesus stuff to do. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, the church is living largely in a salvation culture, not so much a gospel culture. We have seen people getting saved and assumed that this is a gospel culture. But what's happening after they got saved? What happened after you got saved? I know that I'm asking hard questions, and now you know why I said I'm going to be looking at somber faces in a minute because this is making you think. It made me, it's made me think. This is uncomfortable, but we all need to answer this. We must create a gospel culture if we want to make disciples 
that make disciples. Otherwise, we'll see some saved bearing fruit. We'll, we'll see some that fall by the wayside. Have you ever seen that happen? We'll see some wither away and we'll see some choked out from the faith. And you know that everything that I'm saying is true. You've seen it. You've experienced it. And maybe it's you right where you're at right now. True faith involves the mind, the heart, and the will. So here's a test. Are you still doing all the things you did before you were saved? Are you serving God and serving others? Listen, if your faith can't even get you to church on a rainy day, how do you expect it to get you all the way to heaven? It's just some thoughts. The gospel that has the power to save runs through the Old Testament to the New Testament, and yes, it does land in our personal story. But it's way more than our personal story. It's the story of Israel in the Bible. God chose one person, Abraham, and then through him, one people, Israel, and then later the church to be God's priests and rulers in this world on God's behalf. You see, Adam was supposed to manage, rule, and govern this world redemptively in the garden. I don't know if y'all read the story, but he failed. So the redemption duty was passed on to Israel. It was their mission from God. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. Like Adam, Israel failed, and so did its kings. So God sent his son to do what Adam and Israel and the kings did not and evidently could not do and to rescue everyone from their sins and systemic evil and Satan, the adversary. Hence, the Son is the one who rules as Messiah and Lord. And notice this. What God does in sending the Son is to establish Jesus as the Messiah, which means anointed one. You know, Christ, Messiah, means anointed one. Who do we anoint? We anoint kings. And, established, and God established in Jesus Christ the kingdom of God, which means the king is ruling in his kingdom. We, we need to restate this. The idea of king and kingdom are connected to the original creation. You see, God wanted the ones made in his image, Adam and Eve, to rule this world. Again, they failed, so God sent his son to rule as its King and Messiah and Lord, the Son commissions the church to bear witness to the world of the redemption in Jesus Christ. That's why we're telling the story, the true King, and to embody the kingdom as the people of God. So we're to become the people of God in his kingdom. And finally, the story has a name, the consummation when God will set it all straight as God establishes his kingdom on earth. So we're going through the book of Revelation right now and we're getting to the consummation of the kingdom. That consummation comes with the clarification that leads us to read the whole Bible over again. Have you read, read through the Bible? I, I know we've done re Bible reading plans and had the whole church reading together. And, you know, I remember we did that a couple years ago. And everybody goes, well, what, what are we going to do next year? Well, we're going to read through the Bible again. <laughs> do you understand completely everything in the Bible? The Bible's not that book that you read and you put on the shelf and go, oh, I got that. No. 
So God, God originally placed Adam and Eve in a garden temple. Do you ever thought of it that way? The temple is where God resides. So God originally put Adam and Eve in a garden temple, but when God gets things, gets things completely wrapped up, the garden, I want you to know, disappears as we get into Revelation. Instead of a garden in Revelation 21 and 22, we find a city. The garden, in other words, is not the ideal condition. The ideal condition is a flourishing, vibrant culture creating God-honoring and Jesus-centered city. This is the story of the Bible. However, the story of Israel in the Bible is not the same as the gospel. The gospel fits into the story, but it's not the story. Further, the gospel only makes sense in that story. Note, without the story of Israel in the Bible, there's no gospel. And so if we ignore the story in our gospel telling, the gospel gets distorted, and that's just what happens in salvation cultures. It opens the door for cults and a host of brand little g-gods and every type of humanism that you could think of if you take Israel and the story of the Bible out of your story. The story of Jesus brings the story of Israel to its fulfillment, to its completion, or to its resolution. That's why when Jesus preached, you know what he preached to? He preached to the Jews. He, he preached the kingdom of God. You see, the gospel came to the Jew first, as Paul said, and then to the Gentile. Jesus comes and we read about him in the Gospels. He, he dots the I's and he crosses the T's, but there's more to come. After Jesus ascends, the church goes on and the consummation is yet to come. See, we're still waiting on that. The story of Jesus is about his kingdom vision. That's why he says, seek first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And after in Luke 4, after, we talked about this the other day, after uh, Jesus was tempted. He, he says, when he, it says, when he came to preach, he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns and also because that is why I was sent. See, Jesus came here to preach the kingdom of God. So the story of Jesus is about his kingdom vision and this kingdom vision emerges out of the creation story, out of Israel's story of trying to live out God's design for Israel, and out of the vision of the city in the book of Revelation. Listen, we're trying to grasp the big picture. At the center of the story is Jesus and the narrative of his birth, his life, his teaching, his miracles, and actions, his death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension and exaltation. All this stuff about Jesus. Inherent to the story of Jesus are labels that define him and identify him and his role in completing Israel's story. He's called Messiah, Lord, Son of God, Savior, and Son of Man. I mean, you can't miss who Jesus is in the story, right? Not if you're reading and paying attention. The story of Jesus as Messiah and Lord resolves what is yearning for completion in the story of Israel. Israel had all these laws, but all these things were pointing to Jesus. This Jesus is the one who saves Israel from its sins and the one who rescues humans from their captivity. If we fully grasp the big picture, this is great news. This is the gospel. The, the Jews were looking for a hero. They were looking for a king to come. 
And Jesus is that one. However, don't mistake the plan of salvation or methodologies for the gospel itself. You see, there is power in the gospel. That's why Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's what saves you, not the method that we might use. See, there is power in the gospel that is not in the plan of salvation or your method of sharing Jesus. For years, the plan of salvation has been narrowed down to the ABCs. Right? We make it so easy. Save somebody off stuff you write on a napkin. So people have been making decisions for Christ for years at at Billy Graham conferences, at tent revivals, at churches, at vacation Bible school. And sometimes that's all that happened was a head thing. Sometimes it's a heart thing. Sometimes it's just a decision. If they were genuinely, if they were genuine, something then happened. Life transformation. But a lot of times, little or nothing happened. I'm just, how about you? That time you were somewhere, you raised your hand or at VBS or something, or you said you got saved, you got dunked in the water. What, what really happened? Have you produced any fruit since you got saved? Stay calm. It's not necessarily your fault. It's what many of us were taught. It's what the Christians that taught us were taught, right? Are y'all jiving with this? Is this hurting your feelings? My, my butt's hurt all over about this. You see, in our hurry to lead people to Jesus in three to 15 minutes, I think we've minimized the gospel. I'm just thinking, God, I didn't, I didn't do it that way every time, but I know there's, I'm guilty some. We've removed the foundation, the grit, the substance. Now, the Reformationists did it to make sure personal salvation was part of gospel telling. But through time, the main emphasis became about making a personal decision or a prayer of salvation. It's like all good things. We drift away. We've got the word here and we just kind of drift away. You know, the church people can get caught up on this one emphasis, certain verse in the Bible, and then we drift away and we're like, oh, how we get way over here? It just, this happens. It wasn't meant to be a bad thing. They wanted people being saved. And as always, we ended up making it about us, my salvation, not God's kingdom work and me fitting into that. Y'all get that? We've turned the story of God into the ABCs and made it about us. What were we told that we bought into? Well, I can help you. Choose heaven or hell. Anybody have that choice? Choose heaven or hell. Now, what Nimrod, we used his name last week, is not going to choose heaven over hell. We admitted we were sinners believed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and confessed our sins unto salvation. And a lot of us really meant that and believed as much as we could understand. And we were just saved. That was that. Barely a new creation in Christ, if I can put it that way. Saved, as Paul talks about getting in by the skin of our teeth, maybe. 
To be clear, the ABCs, the four spiritual laws, the Romans road, uh, these kind of methods or plans of salvation by themselves are not the gospel. We often, not every time, but in our haste, we can leave out the story of God. I had a guy years ago, I was 20-ish, 20, 21, 22, and again, the church does that. We went out and we shared the gospel. People in the guy and his family had been visiting our church. So I went and saw him to share the gospel, which I thought was a major big deal that I went, you know, if anybody's ever done that, to ring the doorbell. You, it's a great, bold thing, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I was proud that I went and did that to share the gospel with this guy. I went and I shared what I knew as the plan of salvation with the guy. And I thought, man, he's like nodding his head the whole time. I said, oh man, I was getting a little excited. This guy's getting saved tonight. And I finished. I said, well, what do you think about that, Mike? And you ready, you ready to do that? And he's like, and then his, his head was going like this. And then it was going like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's when it hit me. I mean, you know what I did? I mean, the guy didn't know who Mo was, Moses, Abraham. He didn't know these people. I had to go all the way back to Genesis and share the story. So I was forced to do that because he was honest. You know what he could have done? He could have said, hey, yeah, let me pray that prayer. But I did. He, I did go all the way back and, and did that. And The plan of salvation emerges from the story of Israel in the Bible and from the story of Jesus. But the plan and the gospel are not the same big idea. Have people been saved because you shared the plan of salvation? Yes, they have. Don't, don't, they have. Yes, but moving believers to disciple, making disciples, it has been a real challenge because the emphasis in the past has been about moving people to Jesus for salvation and no further. Oh, we got them. We got them into the kingdom. Praise the Lord. And then we move to the next person on our prayer list. Without making disciples that make disciples, which is disobedience to what Jesus told us to do. The plan of salvation isn't discipleship or justice or obedience. And no wonder these attributes have been missing from Christians for years. The King Jesus gospel is about discipleship, justice, and obedience. Let me ask you something. When you got saved, did you make Jesus king of your life? That's kind of a foreign concept to us, isn't it? It's not what we were taught. I just say this little prayer, and I try to live better. But did you make Jesus king of your life? You see, that is a transformational event. Your throne is your heart. Let me ask you, who's sitting on it? Do you ever say no to yourself? That's a good question. This all begins to make sense when, when you realize theologians have argued about the gospel for hundreds of years. Now, maybe y'all don't have to have these conversations. I've had these conversations with many people. Is the gospel, is it the kingdom of gospel? Is it Paul's gospel? Is it the justification gospel? Is it Jesus' gospel? 
I had crazy conversations with people who thought it was this or that, and they didn't really have, want to have that much to do with Jesus because they thought it's Paul's gospel. And I'm like, what? How can, how, can, how can you not want anything to do with Jesus? How you, but believe it or not, they're really. And there's, the confusion is because of exactly everything we're talking about today. We're not going all the way back from the front of the book to the back of the book. But the answer is yes, there is one gospel. It's all of those things. That's the, that's the, the theological arguments you get in all, all time people. They will say, it's all about this verse or this thing or that thing. And people get hung up. You ever been on those? It, it, no, but just look at the whole Bible together and you'll be all right. Peter's first gospel sermon in Acts 2.37, when the people heard this, when they heard him preach the, the gospel about the story of Israel coming to completion in the story of Jesus. They were cut to the heart, it says. They were so cut to the heart, they said to Peter, said, they said to each other, they said, brothers, what must we do? An implication is obvious. The story of Jesus is anointed by God to awaken sin in the person who hears the story of Jesus. I, my prayer this morning that some of us will be cut to the heart this morning, that somebody's feelings have been hurt already. I, I might have. Instead of focusing on their sin, though, in this sermon, instead of focusing on their sin, though Peter does blame them for crucifying Jesus, <laughs> he focuses on Jesus and the story of Jesus awakens a consciousness of sin and need for Jesus to be the Messiah, Lord, and Savior. What are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John called? We call those the Gospels, right? It's really the Gospel told from four different views. But we call them that because the Gospel is the completion of, Jesus, of Israel's story in the story of Jesus. And that is precisely what the Gospels do. They all have quotes. They all have quotes from the Old Testament because it all goes together. We need to talk more about Jesus, amen? And, and know that telling others about Jesus, that's half of the battle when it comes to fear of evangelism. I know, you don't have to tell me. I know that you have fear of going and, t and evangelizing. Just go to tell, to tell people about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. I, I watched a little bit of the, a couple of episodes of The Chosen last night. I, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get fired up. I'm going to watch a couple of my favorites. That got me fired up. Just seeing this actor that's portraying Jesus, but just seeing when Jesus walks on the scene, he knows everything, can do everything. And like, I remember one time when the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, you want... You, are you going to be okay if you're left alone there? And he's, my version, he's like, I'm a, I'll be all right. <laughs> I, got, I got this. It just, it just warmed my heart to realize that he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and it's going to be all right. And maybe somebody here in these days, if you're one of his kids, you're going to be all right. 
Tell them about Jesus. And I'm going to close with this sketch of the gospel. The, first of all, the gospel is framed by the story of Israel in the Bible. And Jesus is found in every book of the Old Testament. His story is continued as he comes to life in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which hold his teachings and miracles as well. The death, burial, and resurrection is told. His ascension, his exaltation, the return of the king are all spoken of in the New Testament. And of course, the church, with her important role of getting the good news out and multiplying disciples. Not only is the gospel framed by Israel's story, which Jesus completes, the gospel centers on the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the boss of me. The gospel of Peter and Paul is tied to an exalted view of Jesus. Jesus is seen as a suffering, saving, ruling, and judging because he is the Messiah and the Lord and the Davidic Savior. Ain't nobody that can be him. He is now exalted at the right hand of God. Jesus is king. As the message of Peter cut to the hearts of those who are listening, we see also that gospel involves inviting people to respond. That is part of it. That's why you invite them. See, now this is where the prayer of faith and repentance followed by believers' baptism comes into the picture. As many as believe that day were baptized. And indeed, the gospel saves and redeems people. There is power, wonder-working power in the gospel. The gospel, as taught by the apostles, promises forgiveness, the gift of the Holy Spirit, justification, and so much more. There's a framework, a center, and an invitation and salvation. The gospeling of Acts calls us to declare Jesus King over us. It summons listeners to confess Jesus as Messiah and Lord. While the gospeling we've been taught seeks to persuade sinners to admit their sin and find Jesus as their Savior. We need to make him king. The story of Jesus is a complete story, not just a Good Friday story and not simply my 90-second story. I'm not telling you not to share your story. Just share your story in the context of the whole Bible. And let us not leave out the call to go and make disciples to further the kingdom of God, for that has always been God's intention as he called Israel to be a light and Jesus will be a king of a kingdom. Where will these people come from if we don't go? We want to be sure you're saved. We want to be sure you have moved forward in that salvation experience to be one that is making disciples that make other disciples. A true follower of Jesus that is growing in the faith and bearing fruit. Let me ask you, is that you? Are you bearing fruit? And can we help you? Do you need to take some next steps? I got to tell you, I feel bad. We were taught the ABCs, and it turns out they were just the BCDs. We need A and E. Have you made this Jesus? You see, Jesus is the king, and the kingdom, his kingdom, has no bounds and knows no end. And here's the great news. Those who have declared Christ as king are joint heirs with him in the riches and glory of his kingdom, and you can hoop and holler on that. Jesus is sharing his eternal kingdom with those who worship him as king. Amen. The cross was the crown, and power only comes when it's surrendered. You know, Nero didn't throw Christians to the lion's den because they prayed a prayer or they said that Jesus is in my heart. 
No, he threw Christians to the lions because they said Jesus is king. There's a difference. Somebody here needs to give up, let go, and let God. Now, you can be here this morning, you can be so stubborn that none of this got to you, or you can come in here and have a soft heart where God can change your heart. If God cut you to the heart, your next words would be like those Jews that heard Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. What I do? Brothers, what do we do? What's your next step? I got to tell you, for me, it's a series of next steps. Every time I think I knew something, I find out there's so much more. Our faith in Christ is dynamic. And it should be. Because the gospel is dynamite. Now is your time to respond. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. We know that that's what happened this morning, and we hope and we pray that you know that as well, that we didn't speak words of men this morning. We looked at the Word of God, the the inspired Word of God, and we talked about that. And we know that whenever that happens, whenever people come together and we hear the Word of God, God is working in us. He's changing us. And we, we hope that you are ready to take some next steps as a follower of Jesus, maybe a first step as a follower of Jesus. And we've tried to make those next steps easy. So you can either go to our website, livingtruthchurch.com and fill out the connect card, which will have some different options for things that God may be prompting you to do. Or you can download our app in the app store, Living Truth Church, and go to the next steps tab in the app. And there's some options with, with different things that God may be prompting you to do or pushing you to do. But whatever it is, we pray that you will take that next step as a follower because we we believe that if we're coming together and we're hearing God's word and he's trying to, to mold us and to, to look more like him, then if we leave here unchanged, we've wasted our time. We, we know that if God's word is proclaimed, we should be different. And so we hope that you'll take those next steps and we would love to come alongside you as you take those steps. Um, right now, I just ask that you'll join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we have together to look at your word and, and we thank you for your presence. God, I pray that you'll move in the hearts and lives of every person that's engaging with us this morning online. We pray that they'll leave here different than when they got here. God, we know that it's only you that can do that. God, and so we ask you to do what only you can do. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great week.